Hills presents Intellivision. Intelligent television by Mattel. More sophisticated than any video game that has come before. Providing hours of entertainment for the entire family. Intellivision, with one of the clearest game displays available today. Find this system, plus a complete line of sports and video game cassettes at Hills, where our game is low prices every day. Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 177. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to everybody. Shout out to the dads. This episode is going out on Father's Day. So here's to all you dudes who muddle through life with kids. Well done, you. Except the ones who are screwing it up. Special shout out to... Any dads who have ever blown the college savings fund at a casino. But we'll get to that in a minute. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. Up there on the Facebook page for Rocket Man, there's a June 6th post that says, Yes, indeed. Asterisk. This is known as the Zetatech form of scientific inquiry. If a Zetatech believes the Earth is flat, they do not make a hypothesis to test, but skip that step, uh, skip that step and devises, devises an experiment that will determine the shape of the Earth and base their conclusion on that experiment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ThisIsRocketMan. Hashtag ThisIsRocketMan. And they've got a uh, meme with Wiley e. Coyote uh, in a helmet and everything strapped to an Atomy rocket, getting ready to light the fuse. And the caption is, When science proves something, but you believe something else. Among the responses are, Doesn't say science is right all the time. To which someone else responded, Certainly not. Only addressing the method one goes about discovery. Nothing new on Twitter. Nothing new really coming up on a Google search. The uh, Flat Earth uh, Brigade as led by Mad Mike, sort of the de facto leader, I guess, at this point, seems to be kind of spinning its wheels. Kind of spinning its wheels at this point. Not really sure what's going on there. I would think there would be more news about this supposed upcoming launch. Nope, I'm not finding anything. So, rest assured, or continue to be annoyed, the Earth still round. This has been your weekly Mad Mike report. Got some feedback from 8-Bit Jeff. Hello, 8-Bit Jeff. Jeff, of course, is a podcaster. Well-known to all of us. Occasionally, he'll write in. 
Oh, look, it's Henry. Yay! He just sort of wandered in. Well, it's a, you have good timing, Henry, because I got a tweet recently about you. Let's see if I can find it here. About me? Yeah, crazy, uh, huh? I'm famous. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. Um, Jeff wrote, good to have Henry back for the Intellivision horse racing. So he's yeah! excited that you're on the recent episode, Henry. Yeah. It's cool that Intellivision games had the power to do some TV games with the depth of computer games. I said, yeah, Henry's back by popular demand. And then I point out that I always liked Intellivision and kind of wished I'd gotten more games as a kid, uh, but I was too busy with Atari. Uh, also, if you remember, in the horse racing episode, I dropped the shocking revelation that my family once owned a Magnavox Odyssey and it never told me. Uh, Jeff commented on that. The Odyssey is in the family. The Odyssey in the family re- uh, revelation was really cool too. Your brothers must be a little older than you. The O1 was basically a dot on the screen with overlays and then cards and dice to make games. It was revolutionary as it created the medium, but maybe not memorable. Who's Jeff? Jeff is a podcaster who follows me on Twitter. Oh, Jeff? No, not my brother, Jeff. Oh. Different Jeff. Oh, okay. Look kind of like our brother, your brother, Jeff. Well, in that picture, he does look a little bit like Jeff, From doesn't From my it? ankle, he looks like your brother, Jeff. Yeah, he does a little bit. It sounds like But uh, as far as I know, Jeff Fulton and I are not related. Oh. Um, Technically, all humans are related, except they're not... Um, like really related. And Chimps are also 99. Point, no, not 99. Like 98.6% related to us. That's Chimps. Well, yes. Henry's giving us an evolution lesson. Yeah. All humans technically are related. And humans and chimpanzees share more genetic characteristics than, than any than other differ. great ape. Yes. 98.6% DNA relationship with humans and chimps. I know this because when I was brought at my school, I read to do a report about chimpanzees, and I did a trifold board about it, but I still had to get the facts. Yeah, Henry recently did a presentation yeah. uh, at about, uh, about this very topic. <laughs> Uh, get ready, guys. I think you're about to get a presentation on uh, evolution. Can I finish my thought about this thing that Jeff wrote? Yeah. All right. So he points out that my brothers must be a bit older than me, and that's true. Uh, there's 11 years difference between me and my brother, Jeff, and then I have a couple of brothers older than that. And uh, and I said, well, after this Odyssey thing, I hate all of them now. Because, um, you know, it, it's this big family secret that was covered up. and I, I'm secret? I remember when we were at uh, Grandma and Grandpa's house, and they were talking about how they had this old computer game that I never knew about. It's a famous oh, original kind of video game, and I didn't know we ever owned one. But Oh, when we were playing the horse racing game? You said I talked about it then, yeah. So, uh, I don't know that I'm gonna, ever going to get over what that. What did you do when you found out? Uh, I disowned the family. What? Nothing. I didn't do anything, Henry. Wasn't anything I could do. The game's Can long gone. My trifold board now. Henry would really like to show yeah. you guys his trifold board. So uh, put on your glasses and look really close, and Henry's going to show you his presentation. Can All right, get see? ready. Can you see it, buddy? All right, so we the are bag, looking. Can you see it? We are. Yeah. Lo- 
All right, we are looking at, uh, it's a trifold board, as Henry said. It's titled Chimpanzees. We've got a picture, uh, uh, a painted chimpanzee. We've got a tree, chimpanzee, and then three little, and then another actual photo of a chimpanzee sort of laughing, it looks like. Yeah. And then three little information boxes. Ah! I hope you didn't drop your trifold trifold when you were doing your report, Henry. No, I didn't share it. Okay, I good. And three little information boxes about Let's chimpanzees. Read them. All right, quickly, Henry. Chimpanzee feelings. Did you know that chimpanzees that chimps have more than one emotion? Chimps can feel emotions such as rage, love, empathy, joy, jealousy, fear, and more. And chimps get jealous; they can become mad and get into a fight with other chimps. If another chimp, if another chimp is sad. Other chimps can feel empathy toward the sad one. A male chimp can love a female chimp if the male chimp loves a female chimp, but the female chimp already has a soulmate. Male chimps might fight over the lady. The chimps can feel joy when someone give when someone gives them their favorite snack. Relationships with humans. Here's the good one. Chimps are, gen- are genetically closest to humans and in fact share about 98.6% of our DNA. We share more of our DNA with chimps than with monkeys or other groups or even with the other great apes. We also have both complex emotions and, inten- and intelligence and a very similar physical makeup. Diet. Chimpanzees eat a wide variety of things. People have recorded 80 different things, 80, 80 di- different items wild chimps eat, including seeds, bark, fruit, leaves, honey, flowers, and insects. That's most of the diet. However, they also hunt other animals like monkeys or small antelope for meat. Chimpanzees eat about four pounds of food per day. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Yay! Yay me! This, <laughs> this has been Chimp Corner with Henry. Yeah! I need to start a podcast about that. Back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Sure, you could do a podcast about chimps. You can do a podcast about anything, really. About butts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could even do one about butts. But that would be like a scientific thing. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, can we get back to talking about video games now? Yeah. All right. Wait, I thought this was the Charlie Brown one. Because no. you didn't have time to do Charlie Brown one on Sunday yesterday. No, I, I, this is the Atari Bytes one. But you didn't do a Charlie Brown one on Sunday yesterday. Don't worry. It'll be okay. <gasps> People are going to yell at you. All right. Well... So it's in television month uh, still. This is the third week of television month. Oh, doing it because it's in television month? This is my annual uh, effort to bridge the the, uh, the bitter divide between television and Atari, which has pitted brother against brother to a level not seen since the American Civil War. Uh, my little effort to, to make peace between the, uh, the factions. So... This week we're playing another Intellivision game. This one is Roulette from Mattel, 1979. Roulette is pretty much what it says right there on the box. It's a roulette game. What's a roulette? Gambling? Yes. Oh. 
So I'm not old enough to play. No, you're not. Well, you can play the video game, but you can't go to a casino. Uh, I'm going to get some money. Make a date with Lady Luck and meet her in your living room. You have your own roulette table now. Watch out. If she smiles, you're golden. If she frowns, your make-believe stakes will dwindle. The excitement and suspense of Las Vegas is yours at the press of a key. There's no discounting luck, but for more fun and a better understanding of the odds, read this booklet. Okay. And if you're worried, it's for color TV viewing only. Check your equipment. Always good advice. Add the overlays. Find two Las Vegas roulette keypad overlays in the cartridges in, in the cartridge package with this booklet. Remove the handheld controllers from the, the console. Insert an overlay in each hand controller if two people are playing. Make sure the overlays fit tight and are all the way in. The overlays will be your visual guide to each game. So here's the diagram of what the different buttons do. They can't see it, Daddy. They saw your chimp report. Yeah, because I read it today and you're just showing them. So, the buttons on the side... Buttons uh, on the yeah. side are your change bet display <laughs> buttons. They're used to change the bet display to read the amount of stakes. Can you say button? And total bet. Bet display, Henry. Oh, bet. You have the keys on the keypad, digit keys, used to indicate the amount of individual individual bets. You have the ready button. The, uh, the lower right side button is the ready button, which is used to spin the wheel. You have the enter key, which is just a dollar sign. It says enter on it. Used to enter the amount of stakes, select the control chip, and enter the amount of the bet. The direction disc, of course we're all familiar with that. It's used to move chips over the roulette table. 16 directions correspond to directions on screen. Continuous movement of chips, of chip as long as the disc is pressed. Uh, you select your stakes. and uh, Either player, press the direction disc. Computer will print out on screen, stake, player one. Press the digit keys to select how much make-believe stakes you want. That's the amount you play with, of course. You can request up to $9,999. However, the computer cannot count past this number and will not add simulated winnings if you choose it to start. Yep, this was 1979, folks. Computer didn't know how to count past 9999 Wow, well, it didn't know how to count 10000 Nope, not in computer language. What? I'm going to do 9999 you can put in 10,000. Nope. Because that's an extra digit in the row, right? There's five five digits in that, in 10,000 and there's four in 9999 9, and the computers then, the home computers anyway, couldn't make that extra space appear. Well, give them a scientific computer land. And then we Fix get the Then we start to get into programming stuff that I'm not really uh, an expert on. But that's basically how it worked, Henry. Neither am I. So give them a science computer that science that scientists work with. So once so once player one has entered their stakes, press the enter key. Player two, if there is a player two, gets to do it. If there's not a player two, you just have to enter zero for player two. Then we get a two-page spread of how the betting works. You've got street bets. A five-number bet, a line bet, a square bet, a zero-zero split, a straight, a horizontal split, a column, a vertical split, dozens and halves. Basically, the, the manual gives you all the odds for how well you could do in these different kinds of bets. And then we're told how to place your pretend bet. Roulette table will appear on the screen with the wheel stationary. Three chips will appear for each player. Beside the roulette table, player one on the left is blue, player two on the right is white. Each chip 
is used to place one bet. Top chip for each player is a different color, indicating that is the controllable chip. Player one control chips appear light blue. Player two control chips appear gray. With two people playing, readouts for amount of individual bets will appear along the bottom of the screen in each player's color. With one person only playing, readout will appear for that player only. Player bets or Before bets are placed, readouts appear as zero. Players may bet simultaneously. You can use the direction disk to position the control chip on the roulette table. Press the disk in the direction you want to control the control chip to move. Chip will move continuously until you stop pressing the disk. Then settle in the nearest legal betting position. When the control chip is in the desired position, you press the digit key to indicate the amount of your pretend bet. This amount will appear in black in the readout for the first chip. The minimum bet is a dollar. The maximum bet is ninety-nine dollars. Press the enter key in the readout for the amount yeah, of the first. The readout for the amount of the first bet will change from black to player's color. The next control chip will automatically change color. Repeat steps one to three for the second and third bets. If you don't want to place a particular play a particular chip, press enter again after the chip has changed color and the control will move to the next chip. When all the bets have been placed and the enter key has been pressed in three times, the last control chip will turn the same color as the other two chips. After both players have entered all their bets, both players press the ready button, one player only, press ready button on your hand controller. If both of you press the ready button, um, the universe explodes. The roulette wheel will start spinning. Wait, the universe actually explodes? Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Thankfully, in 40 years, no one has pressed both ready buttons at the same time. I want to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I know you really want to do it now. I don't really want to do it. Yeah. Can well, we? Can we? No. Mom left specific instructions when she left today. No blowing up the universe. No, when the, it blows up the universe in the game. Oh, in the game. No. Wait, it actually says it in there? No. I made that up. Daddy! I, I'm very funny because I'm a podcaster. Daddy, that's me. You're lying to your own child. I did. Not yeah. For the, probably he not go, for. He, he should go to jail. Probably not for the last time. He should go, yeah. When slow, the wheel slows to a stop. The ball skips between numbers. It's all very exciting and dramatic. Then lands on the winning number. You hear the sound of the ball dropping into the winning slot. The winning chips on, and winning bets on the on the bet display blink. If you win, your winnings are added to your stake. If you lose, your bet is subtracted from your stake because that's how stakes work. To check your stake at any time, press either change bet display button. To bet more than $99 on one position, use additional chips. With all three chips on one space, the betting limit is $297. Wow, that's exact. Yeah, well, 99 times 3. 297. After each spin in the wheel, you can repeat or change your bet. To repeat all bets, simply press the ready button, where a wheel spit will spin again with all bets unchanged. Uh, and that tells you how to change the position of the chip. Uh, we, I think we kind of know how to do that now. Uh, you can change the amount of your bet. Winning. You break the bank at 9999 Beyond oh, this point... Right. $9, Good job. Beyond this point, you may continue playing, but the computer will no longer add your winnings. Losing. Computer does not give credit. If you have $48 left in your stake and you try to enter a bet of 75 the computer will change your bet to 48 If you lose this, you're out. Your hand controller will no longer operate the game. To start a new game, press reset button and enter new stakes. Uh, and then they've got a page with the roulette pay card on it. 
that's all very interesting. Full 90 day warranty. Uh, and then it tells you how to order replacement overlays. Separate cartridges are needed for the programs listed below. You can get them for soccer, roulette, football, horse racing, chatteries, auto racing, sea battle, okay. bowling, skiing, tennis, golf, basketball, hockey, backgammon, Las Vegas poker, and blackjack, armor battle, baseball, space battle, boxing. All you need is a check or money order for $1.25 per set of two overlays. California residents had 6% 6 sales tax. Address the check or money order to Telegrams in Hollywood, California. Four to six weeks for delivery. Order subject to availability. And that's how you play roulette. In TV Funhouse observes that it appears the Las, the Las Vegas Roulette was originally planned to include a slot machine game too, as the other manuals list that you can get replacement overlays for Las Vegas Roulette and slots. By the time it was released, the slots had been dropped. It's a pretty disappointing game, really. Not anything more than a random number generator with graphics and a couple other rules. You could argue that any of the card games are basically random number generator driven, but this doesn't even really hide that with a shifty-eyed dealer and card games at least have an in interesting number of variations in rules and strategies. Too bad the slots game wasn't included. It may have made the game more interesting. Ooh, generate three random numbers. Sadly, there is no Easter egg to reveal slots as a hidden game. All right, after the break, bet on black. We'll be back. Bet on red. Uh, we like bread. <laughs> With grape jelly sometimes. So today, we're playing Roulet from the French for spin round and round and eat money. This has been today's language lesson. Alright, so we're playing Roulette. I wonder if there is anywhere in the world where they do pronounce it Roulet. There probably is. I'm probably sound horribly Philistine. But, oh well. Um... <laughs> I'll get over it. So we're playing Roulette. Mattel, 1979. We have the very basic title screen up for this Intellivision game. Um, here we go. I got my tux. I got my martini. Got a showgirl on each arm. Shh, quiet, ladies. Uh, let's get going. Stakes. Ooh. You can go up to 99.99. I'm only going to go 5,000. Player 2 is non-existent because I'm an Atari podcaster and I don't have any friends. There's the uh, table. You got the roulette wheel at the top of the screen, which is just a bar that scrolls across the top of the screen. Um, the wheel hadn't been invented yet, uh, hadn't been invented yet basically, when, uh, when this game was coded in the 70s. Let's see. I got three chips place um i will put number one i'll tell you what we'll go simple we'll put number one on odd then we got a place our bet 50 bucks no 99 bucks uh chip number two on doing chip number two is a street bet 
as we know, pays 11 to 1 on any of three numbers in a vertical column. Any of three numbers in a vertical column. I'll, I put it on black 6. And the third chip, we will do a straight bet on red 19. Here we go. Spinning, spinning, spinning. Very exciting. Where will the ball land? Slowing down. Boom. Red 18. Well, that sucks. I lost $99. Alright, we'll do one more. Instead of odd, we'll go with just put it on red. Uh, we'll still same $99 bet. We'll do a vertical split bet on 30 black 35 and street bet on red 12. Ready? Here we go. Black six. Yikes. We lost again. All right, well, I can see how this is gonna go. Um, I'm gonna be, uh, the show may not go up next week because I'm taking a little trip now out to Vegas. I want to ensure my kids' college education will be funded. And I, I think I'm on the right track here. I think I'm, you know, sorting this out. I, I think I'm ready to do that. So, uh, back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about roulette. It's fine. It really is just a random number generator. Apparently the technology didn't exist in 1979 to put a wheel on a computer screen because it is just a scrolling bar at the top of the screen. But it sounds like a roulette wheel, I guess. Um, Have you played roulette before? Like actual, in the actual Like casino? in a casino? No, I have not. Have you ever been to an actual casino? I have, but I have not played roulette. I'm not a big gambler. Really? Um, oh god, gambling bad for you. You get arrested. <laughs> this has been a public service announcement from Henry. You're just full of vital information today, Henry. Chimp yeah! Can-
chimpanzees, and the dangers of gambling. You get arrested, ladies and gentlemen, so never gamble. Well, not necessarily, unless you're g- gambling somewhere where it's illegal. Never gamble. Always gamble in a casino or an illegal area. Never gamble in, in an illegal area, like in an abandoned barn. Probably. So the game is fine, I guess. I, I could see maybe if uh, you know you, you go to Vegas a lot and you're trying to get you know, hyped up, psyched up for your your next trip to Vegas. Maybe pull out the roulette and play a little bit with your you know with your buddies or something. I, I don't know. Unless the game crashes. Unless the game crashes, yes. Next. But that's pretty much true of any game, right? You can get all excited to play it, but if it crashes, you're out. You're done. You have to go if it crashes, like, talk to each freak other. Freak out! Like, ah! Yeah. Alright. Well, let's do this then. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story. Story, story, story time. With Bill. All right, Henry, do you, knowing nothing about roulette, do you have a little story you want to tell? Yeah. All right, go for it. So one day, so one day, these drunk teenagers, these these drunk teenagers, I don't know why they're drunk. They're not even old enough to, not even old enough to get a shot of beer. Uh, walk into this casino. Hold on. Uh, for the record, Henry has not had a shot of beer. All right, go ahead. But I have had my medicine, so yeah. So I told the other way because daddy interrupted me. So one day, two drunk teenagers walked into a casino and said, "I want to play roulette." So I put that okay, and then they walked over to the roulette table. And there were a bunch of people there, and the two drunk teenagers shoved and pushed the way through it. So all, so all the other people had to go get a band-aid uh, or two. And that and they were playing roulette. And then and then the teenagers without the two drunk teenagers knowledge, they put the casino person who walked them over there behind Without the two drunk teenagers knowledge, that person, um, that person got the phone called the police. The, the police came like, wee you, wee you, once again, and, like, ah! and then they like bust open the door, and actually, it's the FBI! Uh, so I bust down the door and say, FBI, get on the ground. And that, then they find two drunk teenagers, which is easy because one is shorter, one both them are shorter than the other two. And so they got the two drunk teenagers and slammed them to the ground. One of the two of the FBI agents sat on them, put them in cuffs, and then and then came, and then picked them up. And the two FBI agents that were sitting on them stood up, picked. Picked them up over the head and then and then carried them to the squat car to the 
do a swat coat and a swat truck and then do a mint and honestly hood because what because what cards are metal in the back and then do a mint one of the swat agents one of the SWAT agents, oh yeah, I, I forgot to tell you, there's a SWAT and FBI agent there. One of the SWAT agents got in the front of the car to drive the truck. And then all the other FBI and SWAT agents um, that were there got in the back with them to make sure they didn't like hurt anything or anybody. And, there's, and the same two FBI and same two SWAT agents that were sitting on them in the casino were, were also sitting on them later. So they got a lot sitting on. And then mom not gonna be happy you're gonna be like, Yo! Yo, Corey! Why are you arrested? And then the other mom's gonna be like, I was just about to ask you if your story has an ending. Was that the end? For now. Until it's in the Ooh. Ooh. Leaving a door open for a sequel. I like it. Alright, very Wait, nice. I have another part. A photo of the second part. Ooh, awesome. Alright, quickly. Um, so. Uh, first, my first one I was like, Yeah, okay! Why are you arresting? And what and not. One of the drug teenagers that was named Cody was like, Because I have drunk and why is there like a scary paper? And then, so. And then, and the other mom was like, Yeah, Jess! I was like, Yeah, Jess! Why are you arrested? Then, you know, she's like, Because I'm a, I'm a drunk and I'll pay you that in the casino! And then, and then, the mom brother and the mom was like, come here so I can thank you. Then they got spanking. And they got doing it there for life. The end. That's the actual end. That was a gorgeous story, Henry. Yay! And I'm really curious to see how if the audio picked up any of that. It did. Because you were kind of screechy. It did. So it would be exciting for you, audience, to uh, to make out any of that. So we'll see. You have to edit it. That's true. I have to edit it. All right. Now, Henry, uh, go away. Because <laughs> I like having you on the show, but there may be a couple things in my story that perhaps are not age appropriate. So I need to send you away. Thank Bye, you. Let's go. Thank you for your unexpected co hosting job. Call at me when it's end. Okay. I will send you away for a couple of minutes and then I will call you back. My story is titled Spin It, Bob. Robert Dormier took a pull from a silver flask with his initials on one side and a pair of aces on the other. Over a 30-year career, Dormier became, one, uh, became the world's greatest croupier. He had dealt cards, shoveled chips, and made and flushed untold fortunes from Vegas to Atlantic City, from Macau to Monte Carlo. At the World Series of Poker, Dormier had once left legendary Vegas croupier Elvis Joe Levine weeping in a pile of chips hands and arms bleeding from countless paper cuts from the playing cards that flew from Gourmier's table with breakneck speed. No one was more on top of whatever game he or she was running, be it craps or poker or blackjack. Whatever the stakes, whatever the table, 
Grimir could make the women swoon and the guys virtually orgasm with joy at the experience of playing at his table, even as Grimir, usually, took their money. Roulette had been his specialty, a cruel irony given his present station in life. Back in 15 seconds, the floor manager told Grimir, signaling the commercial break was nearly over. Grimir took one more quick swig of Jim Beam and stowed the flask under the podium. Avoiding eye contact with the two contestants to his left, he stared at the camera trained on him, waiting for its light to turn from red to green. Red and green, like the felt top of a gaming table. How the hell had he ended up here? Every time they taped one of these damn episodes and Grimir stepped out onto the garish game show set, time would stop for a moment. Not that casinos weren't garish, but they were garish in a way that your favorite uncle in the polyester suit is garish. You love him anyway. While recording these game shows, Grimir would step out of time, barely hearing the audience screaming, Spin it, Bob! The name of the show and unfortunate catchphrase. As if in slow motion, Grimir makes his way to the gigantic upright roulette wheel on one corner of the set, avoiding eye contact with Becky Schmecky or Johnny Joker or whatever schmuck the producers thought would be a good victim for this episode. How did I get here? Grimir would think, immediately followed by that memory. Oh, yeah. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. She worked the big room at the casino where Gormir held court, the one between the sands and the most recent one of Trump's that went bankrupt. From the first moment Lola floated through the casino of vision and feathers and sequins, Gormir was smitten. Lola was into Gormir too. She liked the way he handled his balls on the roulette wheel. But then there was Charlie No Knuckles. Now, to be clear, Despite having pretty much single-handedly built Las Vegas, the Mafia has no connection to Las Vegas gambling. Clear? Are we good? Okay, moving on. Charlie No Knuckles, though, was a shady dude. He was Lola's ex-husband and kind of scary. Given his unusual fingers, though, he could salute really well, for what that's worth. Charlie was also good at spending Lola's money. She made pretty good coin doing her nightly show, twice on Saturdays, but Charlie would still beg money off his ex-wife to help him start a restaurant, or when his buddy Dickie Dixon had to get out of town quick. For some reason, Lola couldn't say no, so she had to take a second job working the cashier desk in the casino just to make ends meet. One night after, um, depositing his chips with Lola in the cloakroom, Lola burst into tears. Look, I get we didn't hit the jackpot tonight, Dormir started to say, but she interrupted him. No, no, it's all over. I'm broke. Lola said. Charlie took everything. I'm going to have to go home to Des Moines. He'll never follow me there. Charlie thinks Midwesterners are scary. Dormir was stunned. He couldn't lose Lola. He couldn't. How much do you need? He asked. $246,902, Lola said, then scrunched up her face. And 42 cents. That's a weirdly specific number, Dormir said. He couldn't give it to her, though. Given tourists' love of cheap buffets, all Gormir's money was tied up in lobster futures. Lola shrugged. So quickly it would frighten him when he thought of it later, Gormir concocted a plan that would get Lola her money, get Charlie no knuckles off her back, and only require Gormir to compromise his principles, probably decimating his reputation in the process. Well, two out of three isn't bad. Gormir rigged the roulette wheel. On a rotating cycle, every third, every fourth, every fifth player, for each successive shift he worked, Gurmir would cause a player's ball to bounce from red to black, or from one number to another. Then he surreptitiously pocketed half the losing player's chips. 
Dormier specifically asked to work a few shifts at the lower stakes tables, to mingle with normal folks from Des Moines for a while, wink wink, so the rate of losses didn't attract as much attention. Germier was a celebrity among the croupiers, so his table was always busy and it didn't take long to pocket the 250000 That night over dinner, Lola was ecstatic. Germier barely touched his food. They arranged to meet Charlie No Knuckles for drinks at a hole-in-the-wall bar on the far end of the strip where the money would be exchanged. Hiya, Bob, Charlie No Knuckles said, wa- waving Germier over. He was good at waving, not so much handshaking. No Knuckles, Germier said evenly as he sat. Sorry about that, by the way. Charlie No Knuckles shrugged. Just means I have to get more persuasive than Brass Knuckles. Again, we here at Atari Bites would like to stress that the mob has nothing to do with modern-day Vegas. Gurmir sipped the dirty martini waiting at the table for him. Say what you want about Charlie No Knuckles, though never to his face. He knew how to order a drink. You got it? No Knuckles asked. I got it, Gurmir said, a hollow space filling the space his soul had been like Rust eating out the pickup truck he'd be driving in Pig Hollow Nowheresville after all this was over. Lola arrived then. It was always a little jarring to see her to see her walking around without the makeup and sequins, being just the wonderful normal person she was. It was even more jarring, though, when Lola sat between the two men and kissed Charlie No Knuckles full on the mouth. In the history of brilliant responses, Dormier's wasn't one of them. Uh, Dormier said. Lola disengaged the lip lock and smiled brightly. Honey, do you have our cash? Dormir's heart fell into the hole where his soul used to be. What the... What the... Sorry, Lola said, and maybe sort of, kind of meant it. Dormir wasn't sure he could read her anymore. But when Charlie called and said he needed my help, I couldn't say no. Charlie squeezed Lola's shoulders. Help getting us to the French Riviera, you mean? They laughed. Gourmier did not. But, Gourmier wanted to say, how could you? But that would be cliche. Besides, the answer to how a woman he loved to dupe him was probably not one he wanted to hear. Our plane leaves in a couple of hours, Lola said, so if you wouldn't mind. Gourmier glanced around and prepared to hand over life as he knew it. As soon as he passed Lola the Macy's shopping bag full of cash, the FBI agents moved in. As the agents led away a smirking Charlie No Knuckles, they didn't bother with handcuffs since the No Knuckles thing made it easy for him to slip out of them, they just quickly hustled Charlie into a waiting black SUV. Lola, in tears now, asked Gourmier, How could you? Man, this was hard. Gourmier almost broke then, but he held it together with a shrug. What happens in Vegas can get you five to ten in the state pen. For his cooperation... Dormier only did six months in a low-security prison. His croupier career was over, but he got a deal to write a book that did moderately well, and he lived off the advance that he got for a while. And then the TV producers came. You seriously want to put me on a loud, brightly colored set, giving money to tourists who think they're going to get rich? How is that different than what you did at the casinos, the producers asked. Well, I don't know, Dormier hedged. Give you a cut of the syndication rights. Where do I sign? So, when Becky Schmecky, or whatever, stood quivering with anticipation on that game show set, Dormier tried real hard to remember his cut of the syndication rights. Becky, Dormier began. Eileen, the contestant corrected. Whatever, Dormier said, trying to laugh it off. Now, Evelyn, he resumed, you have $400 on the line. 
There are 35 numbers on the roulette wheel. You correctly you correctly answered all of the questions in our astrophysics lightning round, so you have five bets you can make. Now, you can place those individually, or you can split your bets and maybe double your money. All or nothing, Esther. All or nothing, Esther. What's it going to be? Eileen placed her chips on 1, 10, 19, 31, and 32. She had personally significant reasons for each number, but Dormir turned it, tuned it out. Eileen, he said, should we see if Lady Luck is in the house? Spin that wheel, Bob. The audience parroted the catchphrase back. The little hole in Dormir's soul had closed some since Lola betrayed him. Now it was just big enough for the tennis ball-sized ball in the show's fake roulette wheel. The soul hole now, for all Gormir knew, was filled with his enlarged liver. Whatever gets you through the day. Eileen, or whatever, cheered. The ball dropped. Evie, or something, cheered some more in slow-mo, dream state, distorted audio. Gormir pictured tiny showgirls plastering a smile onto his stupid face. Spin it, Bob, ran for ten seasons. After that, Dormir did one-season stints on Card Cut-Ups, Poker Ace, and You Betcha. Then he retired to a ranch in Montana, never once setting eyes on a cow. And that's our show. Henry was given the option to return for the goodbye portion of the show, but he had something better to do. Shocking, I know. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, which you have already figured out. Spin the roulette wheel to decide which friends to tell about this podcast. Then tell everyone else anyway. I'll bet that you'll take a gamble on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, for podcast reviews, for podcast review leaving as well. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also check us out on Instagram. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 563-265-1978. Got some gambling tips? Did you just win a jackpot and want to give me some of the money? Do you have comments about this show? About chimpanzees. Whatever. Call that number and leave us a voicemail. Please consider, please consider supporting the show financially by making a donation on the Atari Bytes Patreon page, or by picking up shirts and mugs in the AB underscore pod underscore store on Zazzle.com. Hey, do you love Snoopy? Do you know someone who does? Yes. Yes, you do. And it's a safe bet that you will enjoy. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Your one-stop shop for all things in and around the Peanuts universe. New episodes of that show drop on the 15th of every month. Please and thank you for checking it out. Next time on Atari Bytes. In television month, the juggernaut that it is barrels through this podcast with another Intellivision game. This time, very well-known, I think generally popular one, Lock and Chase. We will check it out we see and see if we enjoy the locking more than the chasing, or vice versa. Very exciting. Tune in next week, and we'll find out. So, until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.
Thank you.